गुरुर्ब्रह्मा गुरुर्विष्णुर् गुरुर्देव महेश्वरा गुरुशक्षात पारब्रह्मा तस्मै श्री गुरवे नमः I bow to God and Guru in the infinite and in you. Today I want to read again from Conversations with Yogananda, thing number 11. Ted Krings, a new disciple, asked the Master, can you tell just by looking at a person how spiritually advanced he is? At once, replied the Master with a gentle laugh. I don't talk about it, however. I see inside people because that's my job. One who boasts that he knows these things knows them not. And one who says he knows not also knows them not. One who truly knows doesn't talk about it. Wisdom keeps its own counsel. One of the amazing things that I found about my guru was that he kept his own counsel. Nothing could shake him out of it. Nothing can shake him out, nothing could shake him out of himself. He had a wonderful sense of humor, but if he chose to be serious and people around him tried to get him to laugh, he was serious. He always moved, talked, lived, thought everything from his own center. And yet the interesting thing was that it didn't make him self-centered. You know, we have such a way with playing with words. Self-centered usually means somebody who's selfish, who's always bringing the energy back to himself. No, there was no self in that sense. But he was always completely in control. He was a master. Wherever he was, you just could feel it. Strangers felt it. One time there was this, he went in, into the lobby of a hotel and this drunken person saw him. And uh, I guess in that state of drunkenness, there was a certain innocence and whatever, but he understood something because he came up to the master and threw his arms around him. He said, hello, Jesus Christ. And Yogananda just very quietly and calmly um, greeted him as a fellow soul, not as a drunk. And uh, then he thought, well, it's a pity that this soul should be living in delusion, getting drunk, dulling his faculties. And he gave him a little shot of bliss. And the man sort of, Reared back, he said, Say, what are you drinking? And Yogananda, with a little impish smile, said, It has a lot of kick in it. Well, the divine has a lot of kick, a lot of power, a lot of... It's the real jolt that we're all looking for, thinking we'll find it in this thing or that thing. But he had that, and with that, he was able to really tune in to every circumstance. He was the master of every situation I ever saw him in. He was never taken out of himself, never sort of spun like a pebble down a riverbed. He was always centered. He was the center of the universe. You know, this is yoga's answer to the scientific discovery that the world is not, was not, never has been the center of the universe. It was a huge shock back when, in the West at least, I don't know about the Indian tradition, but basically, this is the human thinking. People used to think the world was the center of the whole universe. And then Copernicus discovered that, no, the world is centered, uh, the, the world is circulating 
around the sun, rotates around the sun. Do you know that astronomers believed that the sun was the center of the universe? Until quite late, I think it was around 1918 or something, when Hubble discovered that there was a whole other galaxy, they called it an island universe, the nebula in the constellation Andromeda wasn't a nebula at all. It was another system of stars. I remember just as recently as the 1930s when I was a schoolboy in England, that's not very long ago, um, one of the teachers came to me just all amazed. He said, do you know there, uh, there may be two or even three other island universes just like our Milky Way? And <laughs> now they know that there are uh, 100 billion galaxies, and who's counting anymore? The universe is so much larger than people thought. And the sun was long ago, around, well, was it 1920 or something? I'm not quite sure of my facts. But certainly, quite recently, they discovered the sun is not stationary, but it moves within its own system. And that we, our whole solar system is a moving thing within a much, much larger field. Well, the result of this has been to, in a sense, reduce people's minds to think, or reduce the universe in people's minds, reduce man in people's minds to relative insignificance. You go out in the, at night and look at the stars and you think, oh, how vast it all is, how small I am. And yet, you know what yoga has taught us? It has taught us that every one of us is the center of the universe. As I said the other day, center everywhere, circumference nowhere. You will never understand anything in the universe except to the extent that you know yourself. Like the ancient Greek saying, Gnothisalton, know thyself. This is the teaching of yoga, to know who and what you are. And it's an astonishing thing because the vastness of the universe is contained within you. Even physically speaking, your little body, small as it is, is really halfway in size between the smallest atom and the largest star. You're not as small as you think. And the space in your body is equivalent, relatively speaking, to the space in outer space. The nearest star to our sun is four light years away, light traveling at 300,000 kilometers a second. The nearest star, it takes four light years for that light to come to us. Vast amounts of space. And yet, in the human body, it's similar. We're much more space than we are solid substance. Science has taught us this. This is why science is such a wonderful adjunct to religion. It's teaching us ultimately truths that are very spiritual. Science tells us that there's as much space, relatively speaking, inside our bodies as there is in the galaxy. If they were to move, if it were possible to remove all the space from between the little solid particles in your body, your body would be reduced so small you might not even be able to see it, like a little speck of dust. It would have the same weight as it does now, but it would be an almost invisible, perhaps invisible. And yet, Science has gone a step further, and this is what the Vedanta and the yoga philosophy always, always taught, that 
that solid seeming matter is really only a vibration of energy. Matter is not matter as it seems. Matter is a vibration of energy. Now, yogis have taken that a step further and have said that energy is really only a vibration, a condensation of thoughts. Sir James Jeans, Jeans, the eminent British physicist, said even back at the beginning of the 20th century that it's beginning to look very suspiciously as though the universe were made of mind stuff. But it's more than that even. Consciousness, ideas, these are just the beginning of it all. Behind that is consciousness itself. The great ocean of spirit without any movement. And the more you can be as the master is living in that still consciousness of the infinite, the more he sees everything as it really is. He's not fooled by people's attempts to pull the wool over his eyes by pretending to be this or be that. He knows. But the beautiful thing about my guru was that he also didn't say. He wasn't like these people, aha, I see through you. He saw through. There was no effort involved. And he showed it when he needed to. But at the same time, he had a kindly view, not a judgmental view, a kindly view of everybody. I remember one time we were walking with him in the garden and we came upon an, <coughs> an older man who was the father of one of the nuns living there at Mount Washington in Los Angeles. And the father was a, um, a colonel in the army who had retired and was trying to take up meditation but didn't quite get the idea yet. He was working at it. And so he was pretending to meditate. He was sitting there. And then when Master and some of us came up, he sort of started as if, oh, he was taken out of this deep state of meditation. And, of course, it was too obvious that he was just putting on an act and pretending to be startled. Master didn't say, oh, I saw through that. He just let it be. I remember that sort of slight chuckle of Master and said, hello, Colonel. And Colonel Baker, his name was. A very nice man, but everybody has his delusions. The wonderful thing was that man could, master could take all those delusions, accept people as they are. He didn't put them down for what they are. He didn't scold them. If they came to him wanting help, yes, he would sometimes scold, but not always. And it was always with only one purpose, to help them. And so it was that he could see through who you were. You could dress any way you wanted to. It didn't matter. You could put on the act of a great yogi. He saw through that. I remember once he, he was talking about visiting the Kumbh Mela back in 1936. And there was a, a, a saintly man, Karapatri. You probably know his name. He was involved in politics also. and uh, uh, But he was a sadhu. And Master didn't want him to know who he was, who Master was, because then he would be uh, not himself. And so Master sort of, as he said, I hid from him. And so Karapatri just treated him as another pilgrim, and he put on a certain amount of uh, bluff. And some of it was true, and some of it wasn't true, and Master took it all quietly, but then with a little 
Smiley said, are you speaking from realization or from book learning? And then suddenly this Karapatriya, oh, this man knows. And then he, but he was also above it all. And he, he was a sadhu, a true sadhu, just a little bit, you know, most people put on a bit of a show. I never saw Master do it, but I've seen most, most people do. And uh, he just sort of dis disinterestedly said, well, half from realization, half from book learning. That was an honest answer, a good answer. He was a fine man. I met him once many years later at the Kumbh Mele. He was an older man then, but a man of dignity and a man centered in himself, as true yogis should be. But the beautiful thing about Master was he saw all these things, but he never let on. He didn't have to show. He didn't have to pretend anything. He was himself. It was so beautiful to see because, you know, I've had a chance to mix with many great yogis. And uh, many of them are still at that stage of spiritual growth or liberation or whichever expression you want to apply to them because they're all in different stages. Some of them are uh, still trying to sort of be above everything. And they're very dispassionate, and naturally people looking at them think, oh, what a great yogi. You know, the beautiful thing about my guru was that he was so natural, because he already, he wore his wisdom like a comfortable old cloth. He didn't have to, he didn't have to be above anything, because he was above everything. He could laugh, he could joke, he had a fantastic sense of humor when he wanted to laugh. But at the same time, he was just, completely relaxed. You never could tell what he was, would be like from one moment to the next. You know, the strange thing was that living with him, I could never remember what he looked like. I can remember all my friends. I could not remember him because there was something about him that changed from instant to instant. He was like a perfect mirror to the circumstances he was surrounded with, to the people he was with. I remember him standing beside, in a photograph, standing beside the president of Mexico, Portes Gil. He was, not only was his name Portes, which sounds portly in English, but he was sort of portly and like this self-important looking. Well, Master never took on those qualities. He was as if he was always reflecting back to us, our own higher self. And so he would, he's standing next to Portes Gil and in some way looked like him. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but the amazing thing was that when he was with other people, he looked like them. People who were thin, slim, fragile, whatever, he always, he didn't look slim or fragile, he was himself. And yet something in his consciousness reflected the people he was in, or around, or with. He was a perfect and flawless mirror to the world around him. Now, how do you apply that to your own self? Because you think of this great master and you think, well, I could never be like that. But he came to show us what we could be. He didn't came to show us what he was. What you should try to do is always be impartial. Never try to place your judgments in the sense of likes and dislikes on people. Accept everything like a child looking at a blade of grass. Looking at it for hours, it just is. Look at the world as it is, just be. And you will see that in that being, gradually, as your mind ceases to reflect 
your own thoughts, it will become clear and will perceive the world around you as it is. He was perfect in that, but how do you become perfect? By working at it. God bless you. Namaste. the mountains, peace gave us the sky, nightly when starlight enfolds us, peace is its lullaby.